Welcome to Centerpoint Church, where we're all about loving and leading people to a life-changing connection with Christ. We're so excited that you decided to join us today, and we believe that no matter where you're listening from, this message will enhance your connection with Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Amen, amen. Hey, good to see everybody today. Woo! It's so good to be back. Oh, thank you. Oh, wow. Wow. Ah, it's all right. Oh, thanks. Man, it's good to see you. There's no place like home. I got to say, I got to say. Hey, if you're new here today and you're like, what's happening? My name's John. I'm lead pastor here, but I've been gone for 11 weeks on a sabbatical with my wife, Anne, and we're back. And for some of you, you've been here for about three, four weeks, and you're going, oh, yeah, I think, yeah, that's right. You're that guy from the video, but what happened with the hair? Yeah. It, listen, it's a new season, and it's a new style, and soul comes out in all kinds of ways. <laughs> so uh, we're going to spend a little bit of time today in the scriptures in 1 Timothy, and you can open up a Bible and get there to 1 Timothy. And uh, the, the message today, my, the title of my message is just this, don't miss the point. Don't miss the point. And ironically, this morning I got up and I was uh, getting ready. We just got back Thursday and so hustling and bustling. And uh, I got over here and I was getting ready to, to do the thing with our team before everything starts. And then I'm looking around and I'm realizing, oh, dang, I, I forgot my Bible. And that's, that's kind of important when you're going to preach a message from the Bible called Don't Miss the Point. Do you see? Anyway, that was what happened to me this morning. But we're, we're good. I wanted to just take a moment before I dive into this message. And, uh, and simply say thank you to you for the gift of this, uh, this sabbatical that Anna and I got to enjoy together. I really do want to thank you as a congregation for allowing us to just step away for a moment and catch our breath and get some healing and do some growing and have some time to play that we really needed. It was a gift that we will always remember and, and treasure, and I want to thank you for it. And our board, who uh, really supported us in doing this this summer. And I also want to say this to you. Here's what happened. I, I stepped away for almost two and a half months. And not once did anyone ever call me or text me or DM me saying, oh my gosh, there's this problem and we don't know what to do. Not once. And that to me is a major victory. I just want to say <laughs> glory to God. But you know what? You know what that means? is that you have an amazing team of pastors and ministers in this church. I can't even begin to name all 35 people that, that just kept on stepping up and bringing God's word and carrying God's heart for you and answering the questions and solving the problems. Did you know? I found out when I got home that this place almost blew up, that there was a gas leak in our property and the place almost blew up. Thank you for not calling me about that. Yeah. <laughs> But it was a great time away. I'm going to just take just a, two or three minutes and share a little bit with you about our sabbatical because I know a bunch of people have been kind of curious and I don't want to dwell on it for, for weeks, but I just to solve curiosity, here's kind of big picture uh, what we did. First of all, we went out to Colorado and we spent some time at Quiet Waters Ministry Retreat Center and getting some really good counseling. So being in Colorado, enjoying the 
the outdoors, getting the counseling, working on healing, and then got to go visit a church that we've been inspired by over the years and check that out, and got to be in the Colorado Rockies, and God dumped snow on us in May, May 23rd, because I asked for it. He just loves me like that. And, and then we uh, went home and uh, went as a family down to Mexico City. And uh, in Mexico, I got to be a part of the 10-year anniversary celebration of El Pozo de Vida with Benny Yu, who's up there. I got to bring a, a word of encouragement to them as well. And as a family, we got to be in Mexico City. And it was just so cool to be able to experience that together. And uh, came home, got COVID, like a lot of you, got dealt with that. And, uh, and then Ann and I really got to play. And a 20-year anniversary trip, we got to go to Europe together. And it's something we've wanted to do forever. Spent time in London. Got to go to Denmark, where I got to preach at Obenkirke, this, uh, this church plant in Copenhagen that we, as, as a church, have actually been helping to sponsor. And got to see a prophetic revival bust out over there in my people's homeland. It was cool. And uh, then we went to Ireland and saw these... Uh, these 1,500-year-old monasteries and, and Celtic ruins and the cliffs of Moher and all these beautiful places in, in Ireland. That was amazing. And, uh, and then we got to go to France and see more old chapels and monasteries, <laughs> places that are you know, hundreds and maybe even thousands of years old. And, uh, but the best part was actually just going down to the south of France and being on the beach over there uh, with my wife and just enjoying 20 years of, of marriage together in a really beautiful place. We put the France and French kissing. It was really good. That was TMI, but I had to say it. And we went down to Italy and enjoyed the, the Colosseum and, and, and some amazing pizza in Naples, the birthplace of pizza. And we got to see the Amalfi Coast. And the best part, though, was just hanging out and enjoying the fun together with my wife and, and having some time to just kind of play together and eat some delicious whatever this next picture is. I, I don't know. But this next picture, that stuff, it was great. Trust me, it was really good. Amalfi. Put it on your list if you possibly can. And then we went, uh, came home and went to Tennessee, got to check in on Pastor James Franz, who's planting Champion Church and wanted to make sure he's doing well, got to spend some time with him there. And then I did a, a group kind of personal development thing at on-site uh, workshop. And man, God, God moved in my life. I, I would just say my highlight would be it worked. Because I feel more refreshed and ready to run than ever. And, and I want to run with you into every good thing God has for us as a community in his kingdom. And, and so I'm, I'm excited to be home. And let's run. Let's run right now to God's word. Can we do that? Okay. So we'll turn to 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1 and uh, verse 3 and following. When I left for Macedonia, I urged you to stay there in Ephesus and stop those whose teaching is contrary to the truth. Don't let them waste their time in endless discussion of myths and spiritual pedigrees. These things only lead to meaningless speculations which don't help people live a life of faith in God. The purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, clear conscience, and a genuine faith. Some people have missed this whole point. They've turned away from these things. They want to be known as 
teachers of the law of Moses, but they don't know what they're talking about, even though they speak so confidently. All right, I know I read through it really quickly, and I'll rewind the tape a little bit, and just to make sure we catch the tone of this part of the Bible. This is written by the Apostle Paul when he was in prison in Rome. And I, I, I remember being a couple of weeks ago in Rome, in the place where Paul was in prison, and just imagining what it would be like to be him in prison. And instead of thinking about how terrible it was that he was in this terrible dungeon of a place, he's thinking about you. It was the Holy Spirit inspiring him to consider what's happening in the church. And in this case, he's writing in particular to Timothy. Timothy was the pastor of the church in Ephesus. Anybody read the Bible and you like the book of Ephesians? Anybody? Okay. So that's the context. Paul's writing to Timothy, who's the pastor at Ephesus. And what Paul is saying is important. It's the words of the Holy Spirit to a particular group of believers, but by extension, it's to you and me as well. And it's kind of a word of correction. And what Paul is really doing, what the Holy Spirit is saying is, hey, pastor, you need to say something to God's people. And you need to help them not miss the point. So I'm carrying this word to you with that voice. And I'm going to just take you back into the, the, the scripture. 1 Timothy 3, again, it said, Paul says, when I left for Macedonia, I urged you to stay there. And I'm going to pause right here because, because these words are important. Everybody say, stay there. Stay. One more time, say it, stay there. stay there. And I'm pausing on these words because sometimes these are the most holy and inspired words we could ever receive from God. Stay there. And I don't know why, but maybe it's because something inside of us, uh, our ego or our pain or our disappointment, or our flightiness about what's next. Something inside of us wants to just go. But I believe that there are times when God's message to us is stay there. And staying there is what allows roots to go down deep. And roots going down deep with the people in the place working through the stuff rather than running away from it allows the possibility of a legacy to be established. And if you just skip to what's next, you're going to skip the deeper rooting work of God that he may want to do in you. And so this isn't my message today, but it for sure is God's word to somebody. Maybe you could even just underline that and skip whatever comes next, because this is God's heart for you. Stay there. But I'm going to keep reading. He said, I, I urge you to stay there in Ephesus and stop those whose teaching is contrary to the truth. Don't let them waste their time in endless discussions of myths and spiritual pedigrees. These things only lead to meaningless speculations, which don't help people live a life of faith in God. I want you to read those last words that are up on the screen with me. Live a life of faith in God. Say it. Live a life of faith in God. One more time, say it. Live a life of faith in God. Now, keep it on the screen for a moment. And now I want you to say it again, but this time I want you to add one word just before it. Just the word I. I live a life of faith in God. <laughs> I want you to say it with me like that. Say it. I live a life of faith in God. Keep it on the screen. I'm not going to miss the point. I live a life of faith in God. Say it again. 
I live a life of faith in God. One more time, hand on the heart and say it. I live a life of faith in God. I'm not missing the point. And the reason why Holy Spirit, through Paul, speaks this this constraining and recalibrating word to you and to the church in Ephesus is because, man, we need this sometimes. We need to reset. We get off on rabbit trails and and, and, and it's this endless, meaningless speculations. What does that look like? Here's what it looks like. It looks like, you know, you're showing up with a couple of people. Oh my gosh, hey, guess what? I found this one podcast and this one YouTube video and this guy, man, he's bringing some teachings that nobody's ever heard before. You gotta hear it. Nobody's ever heard before. Maybe there's a reason for that. But that's just one little example. But we, we can kind of get off on these rabbit trails that distract us from the main point of life with Jesus, which is a life of faith in God. Put that verse back up on the screen, verse 4. It said, to live, help people live a life of faith in God. And we said it personally, I say, I, I live a life of faith in God. I'm not missing the point. One more time, say it. I live a life of faith in God. That's the main idea of my message today, but I hope more importantly it becomes a central calibrating theme for your life. Whatever else is going to happen for you, I hope to God that at the core, something inside of you says, yes, I got these problems, I have this issue, I have this pain, but I live a life of faith in God. Because that will tether you. When you live a life of faith in God, you are tethered to the one who created the heavens and the earth. And that means you're grounded. And from that grounding comes an inner strength that allows you to meet the opposition and confront the challenges with a perseverance that comes from heaven itself. I'm not telling you that living a life of faith in God is going to mean everything goes easy for you. It's not that. It's just that when you live a life of faith in God, you are attached to the one whose power will give you victory. When you live a life of faith in God, opportunities begin to be created that were invisible or seemingly not even present before. When you live a life of faith in God, his fatherly goodness begins to crown your existence and his favor begins to become more evident to you. When you live a life of faith in God, you begin to experience a surge of the eternal reality of the presence of God and something shines through you. It's called the light of God. It's who he is. And when you are open to him through a a life of faith in him, his light pours through you and burns holes in the darkness left and right. When you're living a life of faith in God, you're pulling down strongholds of hell wherever you go and establishing the kingdom of God because you walk in his authority. Because when you live a life of faith in God, that's what happens. And it's like God is looking at you and me and saying, hey, don't miss the point. It's too good. Don't settle for, well, what I do is I just kind of chill in the back and watch things happen. And No, 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 no. We step right up. We say, this is who I am. I am a person who lives a life of faith in God. I live a life of faith in God. One more time, just say it. I live a life of faith in God. Faith in God changes everything. And so don't let them waste their time. That that was the word to Timothy. Don't let them waste their time. And I guess I would stand before you today kind of like a Timothy to say, please don't waste your time in things that are meaningless and miss the point. I live a life of faith in God. Let me keep reading though, verse five. It says, the purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love. 
that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and genuine faith. But some people have missed the whole point. I mean, that's thrown in there, right? And, And I think if we're honest, we all have to kind of acknowledge we've probably had some experiences where we began to miss the point a little bit. And we felt the love of God kind of pulling us back to center, saying, hey, what is this all about for you? Come on. Faith in God that breaks the yoke. And for some of us, we need to hear it right now today. We're getting lost down a rabbit trail. And God's word is, I can't let you waste your time on that any longer. And this is hitting home for somebody right now. You know exactly what it is in your life. And that you've been keeping it over here in a little secret pile. And you've been doing it on the side over here. And and it's God's spirit right now through the scripture saying to you, you cannot waste your life on that any longer. There are things that are meant to be accomplished through you because you're here on planet Earth. And if you keep spinning this on the side, you're going to miss the whole point. So can you hear it? God speaking to somebody, to you today, come on back. Don't miss the point. So so during this sabbatical time, uh, I kind of got back to something I'd gotten a little out of the habit of, and that is journaling. And I got back to, you know, pulling out that journal and daily you know, writing what I felt like God was showing me or just what I was processing or learning. And um, as, I, as I got back to the journaling, I sat in this familiar spot and I reached over here and, and would grab a pen and start to writing. And then, you know, the, the point of the pen was dry. And so, you know, put that back, grab another pen and then start again. Start writing and get like about a half a sentence in. And then it, that point dries up too. And set that one back. Grab another one. And, and I start writing. And it, it, the point of that pen just quickly kind of dries up as well. And it was like day after day, I kept on doing what I just described to you. I mean, one day I'm, I'm taking a pen and grabbing another one. I'm writing. And, and I have something good that's flowing. And the ink dries up. I don't care. I'm going to carve into the paper with that thing. Right? You know what? I'm, you can relate to this. But what, what I wonder if you can relate to is just the, the, the kind of silliness of the fact that I kept on doing exactly what I described. Okay, taking the pen with the point that wasn't working anymore, putting it right back there in the pile and grabbing for it again. And I'll tell you what, when I finally, it dawned on me, like, why am I doing this? Why am I putting dead pens back in the pile? It was such a, a victorious moment to grab all of those dead pens, the, the points that were broken and didn't work, and I'd literally chuck them in the garbage can with, with ferocity, right? Like my nemesis keeping me from journaling. Anyway, I, I want that for you in your life. Not the, not the throwing away the dead pens, although I recommend it. It's a wonderful thing to do. You'll help people not have so much frustration. But to step into a life where you don't miss the point. And the point is, I live a life of faith in God. And at every turn, Whatever challenge I'm facing, I'm looking for how the hand of God is at work. I live a life of faith in God. And so I I slip up and I I, I mess things up. I'm aware that my God is a redeemer and I'm looking for how his redemption might just begin to unfold. I live a life of faith in God. And so I'm I'm concerned. I don't know what's going to happen in this future and these things that are so uncertain. But I'm believing that my God is actually who Jesus revealed him to be, a good father who's got me and who's going to carry me and who's going to provide his strength into my life. I'm living a life of faith in God. And I just want to say, come on back. Somebody come back. And then I'm going to take you back to verse 5 again. He said, the purpose, 
the purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a genuine faith. All believers, that's you. And this is what God, why don't you read this one out loud with me. I want you to read verse 5, nice and strong, ready, go. The purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a genuine faith. First of all, God's looking at you and going, man, what I imagine is you filled with love. Filled with it. So much so that you stand in the radiant presence of God and you just know he's my heavenly father and he loves me because I put my trust in Jesus. He's forgiven my sins and I stand before him accepted for all eternity because of what Jesus did and I'm loved. And you soak up that love of God and all of a sudden the atmosphere inside of you gets changed. And you begin to engage with the world around you a little differently because of the love of God filling you. You're, you're letting go of the condemnation that you place on other people so often. And because you're filled with the love of God, you're beginning to look at other people with eyes of empathy and consideration. And you're imagining some of what they've been through in their pain. And then because you're filled with the love of God, that love of God just doesn't stay. It flows. And you begin to have a, a, a generosity that is extended to other people, a generosity to the kingdom of God. You... You, when you are filled with the love of God, you begin to grow in your capacity to forgive people more frequently and more fully. And as a result, you stand more free. You stand uh, more delivered. So, so filled with the love of God. That comes first. And then second, God looks at you and says, what I imagine and what I want is for you to live with a pure heart. Everybody say pure heart. Pure heart. Pure heart. God's looking at every single one of us. Remember, we read that phrase, all believers. There's no asterisk where it says, yeah, except for you, because you are too nasty. No. God is imagining for every single one of us to be somebody of whom it could be said, pure heart. How do we get there? <laughs> How you get there is you draw near to God. Because yeah, he's a consuming fire. And his consuming fire is going to be a refining force in your life. Burning away the Garbage, the things that need to be burned. Anybody got some things that need to be burned away? I know how it's going to happen. You begin to say, God, I'm coming closer to you. And he's going to love you and comfort you and burn. Burn the things that need to be burned. The pride, it's got to be burned. The selfishness, it's got to be burned. The, the addiction, it's got to be burned. All, and he's willing to do it. And it gets you to a place where you have a pure heart. Another element of a pure heart is because you know that you are loved, filled with the love of God, when you do begin to mess something up, you quickly come to him and confess the sin. You're not keeping it secret over here. You're coming quickly. God, I, I need you to forgive my sin. And he quickly forgives you. And his purifying work in you allows you to have a pure heart. Everybody say it again. Pure heart. You can have one in this instant right now. And there's nothing better than feeling uh, uh, the truth of, of, of what God wants, a pure heart and a clean conscience. Everybody say clean conscience. How do we get there? Clean conscience. A clean conscience comes, first of all, because you, you're living a life of faith in God. And what that results in is you becoming aware when Satan's throwing a temptation at you that's actually going to destroy you. And because you're aware of that in your living a life of faith in God... 
You begin to turn away from temptation more and more often, finding the path to victory more and more often. And because of that, you're experiencing more and more often a clean conscience because, yep, there was this temptation in Jesus' name. I kicked it down and I'm walking with him in his life. That happens. It does. Some of you, you know it. More and more in your life. And you're not saying, I'm perfect, I've arrived. No, but you're saying, yeah, but man, you should have seen 10 years ago, five weeks ago, and where God's taking you. And you experience the clean conscience. Is anybody grateful for the clean conscience that you're able to live with because of the leading of the Holy Spirit as you live a life of faith in God? Clean conscience. Clean conscience also comes when you not only confess your sin to God, but you also confess to somebody else in your community and they speak that word of forgiveness over you too. And in some cases where you've done wrong, you make amends. Because the spirit of God is giving you the, the strength of soul to do it. Clean conscience. Clean conscience. That comes from a genuine faith. Everybody say genuine faith. We're not just talking about some kind of pie in the sky uh, optimistic thinking. That's not genuine faith. That's just pie in the sky optimistic thinking. But we got a genuine faith. And here's what that means. Genuine faith has an object. It's Jesus. The person of Jesus Christ. Genuine faith is marked by your trust in Jesus Christ for who he really is. Genuine faith is one where, where you trust Jesus to be your savior. And you're done with religious games trying to save yourself by whatever performance you're going to put on. <laughs> your, your, your genuine faith is marked by you trusting Jesus to be the shepherd of your life. And you spend some time with your shepherd so that he can show you what the pathway is for you. When you have a genuine faith, you know and trust Jesus to be your healer. And when your heart is broken and your spirit is weary, you know, I got to go to my healer, Jesus. And my genuine faith takes me right there to where he pours out his balm of goodness and I get healed. You, you got a genuine faith, you begin to trust God as your shield and defender. And when the arrows of the evil ones start flying your way, you have a shield of faith and you know it because you trust him to be your defender. Somebody say amen. When you, when you know, I know you're getting tired right now. You're thinking about lunch because I'm droning a little bit. But you got to know that this is genuine faith. Knowing God to be the one who gives you new mercies every single day. That you don't have to wonder, well, I don't know if I'm right with God anymore because I, uh, no, his mercies are new every morning. His faithfulness is that great. That's his word to you. When you have a genuine faith in God, you know Jesus to be the strength and power that works inside of you by his own spirit. And you get to persevere through the pressures and the pain that are a part of life. But remember, we're living a life of faith in God. We're not pretending that we're on a cloud somewhere. We're living a life of faith in God, coming at the challenges and bringing the kingdom and the strength of God everywhere we go. I wish you would, I wish you would understand what I'm trying to convey to you today. I wish I could preach a message to you about it today. I wish I could get somebody in the back to somehow just shout amen because you believe this. Amen. Filled with love, pure heart, clear conscience, genuine faith. Verse 5, one more time, it said, the purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, 
clear conscience, a genuine faith. And we, we, we remember that the next verse said, but some people have missed the whole point. And what I hope that we're deciding together is, and I don't want to be one of those <laughs> people who missed the point. So when we did this uh, sabbatical uh, travel, when we got to go to, to, to Italy, we went to the Vatican. And the Vatican is an amazing place. And uh, even though, uh, obviously, I'm, I'm not a Catholic, I still have some respect for what that place represents. Because here's what it represents. That's the place where Peter finished his ministry and was crucified upside down. And when you go inside of the Vatican and you finally get to uh, St. Peter's Basilica, in the middle of it, there's this place where the earth opens up in the middle of it and stairs go down into this uh, thing you can't really get to because it's roped off, but you can see it. And, and it's where Peter was buried. <laughs> and however you feel about the institution there, I mean, you have to understand something un until, you know, three, four hundred years later. That was, it wasn't, it didn't have a big old institutional name. It was just, that's the place where the last guy that we re recognized from the 12, Peter, was, was crucified and, and ran this whole mission of Jesus into this world. So there's something about being in that particular place that's, that's very powerful. And at the same time, uh, if, I'm, if I'm honest about it, if I think about it, I, I was in the Vatican in this place. And you know, before you get to St. Peter's Basilica, you walk through what feels like miles and miles of these hallways. And these hallways, I mean, I, I don't know if I have any pictures left of those. I don't think I got it in time. But it feels like a mile of, of hallways of, of art painted by, you know, Raphael and all of these other amazing artists. And you walk through it, and, and I, I felt myself thinking, you know, that, that's nice. That's nice, but that's, that's not the point. And I remember, you know, being in all these empty, empty, beautiful old chapels all over Europe, and just kind of thinking, man, that's nice. That's not the point. The point is you and me being people who have an everyday kind of a real life with Jesus. Through the, through the stuff, through the difficulties, through the challenges, through the everything isn't pretty and perfect, but I'm grabbing hold of Jesus anyway because I live a life of faith in God. And I don't give up. And I do stay because Jesus is holding me in it and through it. I live a life of faith in God. Just say it one more time with me. Say it. I live a life of faith in God. That's what I do. And it doesn't mean that everything goes exactly the way I want it to. It doesn't mean I don't get hurt sometimes. It doesn't mean I don't face difficulties and challenges. But what it means is that through every one of those things, I've got a shepherd who's guiding me. I've got a covering who's bringing protection to me. And I've got strength rising up inside of me. I live a life of faith in God. I'm not going to miss the point. I'm not going to get sidetracked down into a bunch of rabbit trails and bunch of meaningless discussions about things that aren't the main thing. Are you with me? Now I'm going to keep coming back to the center where it's Jesus, I'm following you. Ha, that's what we're made for. Now for somebody today, I want you to hear this. You, you lately have gotten yourself to a place where you're thinking, you know, I guess I'm kind of open to this whole God thing, and you've actually come to a place where recently you found yourself saying, 
I guess there's probably a higher power out there. And I want to say good. That's great. Well done. But now I want you to take a step closer. Actually, come all the way in. And and know who this powerful one is. His name is Jesus. And Jesus says this. He says it in John 14, 6. I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. This is the words of Jesus. I'll say it again. He says it. I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus, as he says that, has arms open wide to you. If you stay in the place where all it is is higher power out there somewhere, you will not experience the benefit that you are meant to receive, which is the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul and the strength of God really rising up inside of you. And so today, for somebody, I want to invite you to actually say yes to Jesus. Good, you've kind of gotten a little bit of an open heart. Step all the way in to walking with Jesus, where you too could say, I live a life of faith in God, and I know who God is through Jesus Christ. So for somebody, this is your message today. Put your faith in Jesus. For somebody else, your message today was you've been rattled and you've been frenzied, and, and, and it's time again today to go deep breath. No, I live a life of faith in God. And what that means is he's got me. He's carrying me. Even through the questions, even through the mysteries, he's carrying me, he's got me. For somebody else, you have been going down rabbit trails, getting caught up in a bunch of theories and this and that. And it's like God is saying, come on, don't waste your time with that anymore. Come back to center. So I'd like us to take a moment and just simply pray together. I think there may be a a few of us that need to just Step into God's presence for real. So would you pray with me? You could close your eyes or you could stare at the ceiling or bow your head, whatever you'd like to do. But pray with me for a moment. That's just us taking some time to be in the presence of God and talk to him. Come on, you came to church. You're here. Come closer. Just think about this for a moment. Think about this. Let's say uh, you told people... Yeah, I go to the gym four times a week. Okay, so imagine, what if you went to the gym four times a week, but all you did was stand there against the wall and just hands across your chest or in your, in your back pocket just watching everybody? Is that really genuinely going to the gym? No. But I think maybe spiritually for some of us, we're doing something a little bit like that too. Kind of being a bit passive about the whole thing and well, I just showed up. I'm glad you've showed up, but I feel the Spirit of God saying, would you come closer, though? Would you allow some of the, the weight, to take on some of the weight, the weight of the glory of God? Like personally, you carrying some of that good glory of God. He's, he's willing and wanting to place that on you. Now, for somebody, if you would do that today, that will be the beginning of your healing. Your heart is in knots inside of you. Something inside just feels almost rotten, broken. And you're going, what do I do? What do I do? And God is saying, what you do is you come right to me. My glory is what will bring the healing you need. This is a word in the spirit for somebody today. So 
Like your heavenly father is going, I know, baby girl, I know, I know you feel broken, rotten inside, and you're wondering, what do I do? And you've even said that phrase this week 10 million times, what do I do? What do I do? And God is right now saying, come to me. Let me give you some of my glory. I will place it on you. And the weight of it is a good weight. Come close to the fire of God and his fire will begin to cauterize and heal and burn away things that need to go. Heavenly Father, I pray that for some of us, uh, where we've been caught up in some distractions and a bunch of meaningless discussions and whatever goes along with that, mm, right now I pray that you would allow that stuff to be kicked aside and we come right back to the center where it's, I live a life of faith in God. Not getting caught up and wasting my time in a bunch of things that are going to distract me. Can you hear it in the spirit? I heard it in this service in particular earlier. Like God saying, like he said to Timothy, don't let them waste their time. It's God saying to somebody right now, come on. There's a world that needs the kingdom of God and I'm, I'm wanting to walk with you into it. Let's go. Thank you, Jesus. God, I pray that right now you would do some soul, uh, soul awakening for somebody. Okay, for somebody, truth is, you're just wondering how all of this kind of works, and this whole church, God, Jesus thing. And I just want to just make it as simple as I can. God, out of his love for you, sent his one and only son, Jesus, to pay the price that you could never possibly pay. Because it, it's a price that demands perfection, and only Jesus could do it. And he paid the price for you so that one day you could cry out, God, would you forgive my sin? And he'd be able to say, sure I can, because the price has been paid by my son on the cross. And, but today, for somebody here right now or joining me in, in, in online, you need to finally get personal about this and say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It's not enough to just have some far out there deity, God, higher power. You need Jesus. For somebody, it's right now, you need to cry out to Jesus. Ask him to forgive your sins and save your life. Just today, ask him to do it. You start by simply being a genuine faith is Jesus Christ, I believe in you. It starts there. While we're praying together, for somebody, if you're sitting here going, man, I, I think I need to do that. I don't know how it all works, but I think I need to do that. I want to ask Jesus to forgive me. Then right now, I want you to raise your hand with me. You're saying, I need to say, ask Jesus to forgive me, to save me. You raise your hand really high. I want to make sure I see you. I don't want to miss you. This is your moment. Keep it up right there in the back on my left. Thank you. Anyone else? I don't want to miss you up in the back. Thank you. Over here in the back, I see you, man. Thank you. There's anyone else? It's like this is the moment where something inside is finally going, I need, I need everything I heard about today. Okay, and those of you who just had a hand raised up and somebody else, I didn't see you, but God doesn't miss a thing. You pray with me for a moment. Something like this. Just start easy. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. I don't get how it all works and that's okay, but Jesus Christ, I believe in you. Actually, every voice, you could uh, come back to center and just say that with me. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. One more time, say it. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. Save me from my sin. Give me the gift of salvation. I believe that you are alive. You kicked death in the teeth and you rose and I'm asking you to come and give me new life. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Okay, for somebody right now, it, it just happened. It just happened. And I want you to take note of it. It just happened. 
Jesus is just right now grabbed a hold of you. And it's like he, he took all the old stuff and mashed it up and threw it off into the sea of forgetfulness. And he says over your life, you are brand new. Old is gone, new has come. And I just want somebody to celebrate that God, for at least three or four people today, gave him the gift of salvation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Don't waste your time. There's too much of God's goodness in his kingdom. Don't miss it. Holy Spirit, I'm asking, is there anything else you want to do in this time while we're standing and sitting together? We're going to leave in a few minutes, but just a few more minutes. Just sit, rest in God's presence, and just asking, Holy Spirit, anything else you want to do? Sometimes amazing miracles begin to break out. When I walked in this afternoon or, or this morning, in this service, I sensed a whole lot of anxiousness. And it wasn't mine. I'm feeling totally relaxed. It's somebody else's. And I, I want to pray for that right now. God, I pray that right now you would allow anxiousness that has been gripping somebody, choking them out, to be broken off right now. Okay, so a, a couple of you, it's you. This needs to happen for you. And I want you to just right in this moment, if that's you, you take a big old deep old breath and you're breathing in God's goodness, strength, and love. Just breathe it in and then just exhale a big old sigh. <laughs> you do this a few more times while we're just praying. And I fully believe. Here's what I saw in the spirit. And when I'm praying this way, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? I'm just paying attention, just trying to see in, in the Spirit, is, is God doing anything? And this is what I saw. I saw a wave emanating from around this place and just rippling across everybody, like nobody could run from it. <laughs> and it's just a wave of God's mercy and goodness that specifically undoes knots. And that's really a work of the soul I feel like God wants to do in this moment, is to undo some knots in the heart. You're so upset still about them and that, so worried about this thing. Here's the wave. You can't even run from it. It just comes right now. Whoosh. If you could imagine this, imagine this wave's hitting you, and it, it's not hurting you. It's soothing you. Just imagine that for a second. In your mind's eye, just imagine that wave of, and imagine it is God's goodness and love just like hitting you. And imagine what it's doing. Breaking apart things that need to get broken apart. Untying some knots that got wound up inside of you. Don't you want that? I believe Jesus is a healer. And that's one of the things he wants to touch right now. So. Let's all stand up together. Would you stand up with me? Jesus, I believe that you are healing uh, some hearts right now. You're doing some spiritual surgery for somebody. And there's a bunch of the rest of us that are going, I don't know what's going on, but I, okay. But for some of us right now, you're doing a deep work and we say yes and more, Lord. But before we begin to sing this last song, just check in with the Holy Spirit one more time right now. You do it too with me. Don't, I don't want to do this alone, but just... Holy Spirit, anything else you want to do here in me in this moment? Holy Spirit, do you have anything you want to do here? Yeah. 
yeah, I believe that, that Jesus wants to uh, touch, ooh, this very specific, <laughs> your left foot, like the left side even of the left foot, tingles and numbness and weakness and pain. And you've been walking around, you're trying to hide it, hobble on it, but I believe God wants to bring a healing touch to somebody's physical body. And listen, don't get hung up on this, right? We read the Bible, Jesus goes around everywhere healing the sick. And then we just want to play church? No, I'm not going to miss the point. If Jesus wants to bring some healing, we just say, okay. So I, I gave you a word of knowledge. That's just me. I'm just standing here praying and paying attention and Holy Spirit just kind of highlights, bing, 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 left foot. Of all the things, somebody, that's, that's what you need to touch God for. While we're standing together, if you would say, man, that's me. How did you know what God wants? Raise your hand right now. You need your left foot to get a touch of the healing of God and keep it up for a moment. There's a couple of us. I'm not surprised. Way over there too. Okay, now keep your hand up, please, please. Someone over here. If you know you got the fire of God burning in you, you believe that he heals people, you step over to this gentleman, this woman, you place a hand on their shoulder if they allow you to, and you just bring a touch from God right now. Go do it. Somebody pray for healing. Just walk over there and say, in Jesus' name, I believe for that foot to be healed, for that neuropathy to be exiled, <laughs> for, for that tendonitis to be absolutely uh, done away with, for, for that arthritis, uh, tingling and pain and numbness uh, to be dosed with Jesus shed blood. Ha! And healing comes even right now. And right now in this little circle, these little circles, everybody else, you're looking around. This is the body of Christ. This is what we do. We care for each other. We don't just ignore each other's pain. And if we can see God do something miraculous, and others of us were wondering, well, what about this other condition? And what about this cancer? Bring that into this moment too, if that's your deal. Jesus, we believe that you are who you say you are. And one of your names, Yahweh Rapha, the Lord, our healer. We believe, God, that's who you are. And I live a life of faith in God. I live a life of faith in God. And so here and now, I believe for these feet to be healed. Okay, while we're praying for you, now somebody, here's what you need to do. You need to step up on your toes like a few times. Like just give it a shot. And maybe you're needing to start bouncing on it a little to make sure what's going on, what's going on. Maybe you need to turn to the left or right. I don't know what you do, but test it out because I believe God's moving, bringing a healing touch. And while we're praying for this healing to come, if you, if you are right now, you're, you're jumping on it, you're feeling it, and you know, man, God has touched me, his healing has come, then I want you to say something about it right now. You could give a shout or you could put two hands up in the air so that we would be able to know you've experienced God touching you and bringing his healing to you. Don't fabricate it. If he hadn't done it, don't do it. Right here in the middle, God touched you. Two hands are up. He's touched your feet and brought his healing. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? I just want to know right over here, God touched her and healed her feet. Somebody celebrate. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. If there's anybody else, there's two hands up because then we can see you and we'll know what God did. If he did it, you raise your hands up and you keep them up from, did he touch you? He's healed your feet. Hallelujah. God, we give you glory and praise. Yeah, others of you, you need God's touch in your body too. Come up to the front at the end. Our ministry team is ready to just keep this wave rolling. 
But let's just declare God's goodness together and celebrate who he really is and sing it out. Christ is my firm foundation. Go ahead, sing it. 